Just an announcement before we get into this program. Recorded Wednesday, the 15th of December, 2021. As you could very likely hear, my voice doesn't necessarily sound normal, and indeed it isn't. Uh, this week, uh, starting on Sunday, I became quite sick. And uh, that explains, number one, why this program hasn't been released earlier, and it also will be the explanation as to why content of any form uh, may not appear, at least in the near future. Um, good news, you know, I'm not on my deathbed or anything like that, but um, I evidently am not well, although I don't wish to go into details, but if it is of any um, sort of relief, uh, I am in probably better shape than I was, at least at the beginning. Things got really, uh, really rough on Sunday, but, um, I am much better than I was then. Not good by any means, but better than where I was. And, uh, just didn't want to make a big deal out of it, obviously. We all get sick, and, uh, it just isn't my intention to make that the focal point of anything at this point. As you will notice, though, because of this, there are some parts of the program that I can't, um, I wanted to do more with. There were things that I had intended to add in, and, um, all of that, but, um, needless to say, when it feels as though you've swallowed a whole bag of razor blades, it's difficult to do a long-form a podcast or radio show or any of that. Uh, so needless to say, this show will feel incomplete, and as you listen to it, you will likely, to tell you the truth, find yourself quite dissatisfied with some of the content herein, um, especially an announcement a little later on in the program. But nonetheless, uh, I was when I was feeling well before all of this, it, I was able to get some good mailbag program done, and uh, easily the longest I've done for a while, so I hope that's enjoyable. With that said, um, I wasn't able to record the transition from the main discussion to the mailbag program, so it's just going to kind of be a gap. I'm just going to kind of put a beep there so you know the transition. Um, but in the meantime, of course, I hadn't recorded this. I didn't have the time, and this is the first time I've been able to even feel up to it to get to a microphone in a while. If uh, you do have any questions, comments pieces of feedback for a future show can be anything under the sun any questions topics you would like to share things you'd like to hear me talk about etc comments you name it you're welcome to reach out to me v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com once again that's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com Again, I apologize for the quality of this program that you are about to hear in every way. It's going to be a disappointment, but um, there will be better. Thank you, and take care. Enjoy the show. Well, thank you for tuning in. Tuesday the 7th of December 2021. This latest edition of the VORW International Podcast. Thank you for being here. Hope everyone listening in is doing and feeling all right. So, it's night time. Um, 
Let's see what hour it is exactly. 4.09 a.m. Eastern Time. And here we are, uh, once again, back at the microphone doing another show. I always... I don't even think there's a point in even bothering, but I guess it's out of habit. Sometimes I think that maybe I'm... I don't know, it's just the way that I am. Whenever I'm recording something at night, and uh, if you could tell by the noise that you can hear doing so outdoors, um, it's always, I guess it's just out of habit of mine to have my voice slightly lowered. Um, I suppose just out of courtesy, as I have the understanding that I keep an unconventional schedule, but everyone else around me is very likely sleeping. You know, does it really make much of a difference? Probably not, but it's just the way that I am. Um, I feel, though, when I'm not able to comfortably project in an appropriate speaking voice, I feel as though I'm detracting from your listening experience. But then at the same time, I remind myself I can just go ahead and go into the editing program, raise the volume, and make my voice as loud as I want. But at the same time, that's not what it's about. It's about inflection. It's about um, tone and cadence and all of that. And like I said, the difference would be immediate if I were to do such a change but I don't feel comfortable doing so. Does that make any sense? I have no idea. Guess I'm just trying to say in short, because I know I have a way of making things that could be explained very, very concisely. I have a way of drawing them out and extending them beyond what would otherwise be considered a reasonable limit. So in short, I'm just trying to say I'm speaking in a hushed tone, because it's the middle of the night and I don't want to be loud, even though I probably could be loud and it doesn't make a difference. So there's the uh, quick and easy explanation. So you might be saying, then, well, why are you even outside, then, if you have this uh, sort of issue and you're ruining uh, my show, right, because you can't speak in a full voice? And, uh, well, quite frankly, I just enjoy... I wanted to do it outside tonight. I wanted to do an outdoor recording, and uh, even if it's at the detriment of quality, it's a conscious decision upon which I arrived at after some thought, principally because there's fog outside. And one thing you have to know about me is that I like fog. I like clouds. I like rain, I like fog, essentially, I like it when it's not sunny. Um, you, you look at where you live, right, it's the sunshine state. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, <clears throat> but fog is the best. I mean, it is so 
it is glorious. I don't know what else to say. And foggy nights occur, but they aren't extremely common. So when a foggy night materializes, I always, to the best of my ability, try to take advantage of such a night and either sit outside or take a walk or I, I just try to take it in in one way, shape, or form. It's something about the ambiance upon which the fog generates and how uh, aesthetically pleasing it is, at least by my standard, as well as the serene atmosphere it embodies. It is quite a foggy night, though. As a matter of fact, there's a dense fog advisory upon the area. And it's, it's comfortable temperature-wise. It's maybe in the upper 50s, but it's very nice. Very nice, I would say. So I'm standing out here and kind of just looking around. I'm taking it all in. I'm looking out at the little, uh, little lake here. And I see fog everywhere. I see the glow of the orange street lights. And, uh, very pleasant. The noise from uh, any passing traffic doesn't really bother me. You just kind of get used to it, and it comes and goes, and, you know, it's just... It sounds. I wouldn't describe it as necessarily discordant, because it's a sound we've all experienced. You know, there's a difference between, let's say, this passing car that you hear versus someone blasting whatever garbage music, you know, out, out their speakers. It always seems like when people do that and they blast music, it's always the worst kind of just harshest... I don't know. Maybe that's just me. But that's just my observation. It's just like the most annoying music imaginable that people feel the need to blast for the whole world to hear. Um, but there's a difference, obviously. Or a difference between, again, these sounds of the traffic, little pitter-patter of water, compared to, you know, someone hammering, hammering away at something, right? You know what I mean. Anyway, how much time did we waste on this? Seven minutes something. I had a feeling we'd be around the seven-minute mark. I don't know, that felt like a seven-minute discussion, if you ask me. Well, I hope you're doing all right. Hope everyone out there tuned in is, uh, is doing all right. We are in the month of December. Welcome. Final month of this wretched year. Had a wretched 2020. Probably gonna be awful, quite frankly, for 2022. Let's just be real about it. And, uh, rinse and repeat. So... I don't know, I just kind of shrug. What is it? 
people kind of they sit there and they say it's december we're almost over with 2021 yeah but you think 2022 what do you what do you think is coming up so i don't know i've decided forget optimism i'm gonna go with the pessimistic approach this time around because then if something good actually happens it'll be a, a pleasant surprise and uh it won't just be the outcome that I was expecting, right? Because here's my strategy. If, you, if you're sitting there and you think that 2022 is going to be the year when everything gets better in one way or another, you're, you're having this expectation already. You're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, right, this is going to be the year. So I expect... I anticipate good things to happen. Now, if those good things do, in fact, come to fruition, of course it's going to be enjoyable, of course it's going to be pleasant, and, uh, of course it's going to be a, an instance for celebration. But at the same time, I personally feel that the level of glee one would experience if these positive expected events do materialize, that joy felt, it's only going to get to a certain level, because again, you, you were seeing this happening. If it doesn't happen, it's going to be awful, and you're going to be crushed, and you're going to be despondent and defeated, and uh, it's just not going to be good. Now, if you go into it... It's not a healthy... I don't recommend you have this attitude, but it's just what I'm employing this time around. But if you go into it saying that this is going to be a terrible um, year, and it's just going to be more of the same, but then something good actually happens, it's, it's going to be welcomed. It's going to be embraced. But you have that element of surprise added as well. And it could even be the same exact event, but if you weren't expecting it, I think the impact is going to be a whole lot more. So, we will see. Yeah, we will see. Two years. Yeah, can you believe it? Two years it's been in... Uh, you know, but I'm just speaking in generalizations. I think the COVID stuff, as many have in mind, is uh, one thing you could be thinking about as you look to uh, next year. But, you know, there's a whole lot more to it than that. And, uh, if you know, if you could see me, I'd kind of just be shrugging. So I'm saying that to just convey such body language. Yeah, but the COVID. Two years. Wow. What first came to be... I mean, it's already been two years since, you know, this has all been going on because the virus itself was around in China and, you know, all of that. We won't get into the origins, you know, whether it came out of the lab or not. I mean, you have, you have qualified experts making reasonable cases for both, but, uh, 
Either way, do I ever think that there's really going to be a conclusive, solid, um, explanation as to its origins? No. I think it'll just always be up for debate, and, you know, it'll get to a point where there's going to be a reasonable case for this and that, and, you know, they'll be saying, well, we believe based, you know, you're going to have these experts that have this evidence suggesting that it did come from the lab, and then you have those experts on the other side that have contrary evidence suggesting that it just came naturally, um, or that it wasn't, it didn't get out from a facility, etc. But, uh, either way, I think it's just going to be that, and people are just going to kind of believe whatever narrative they want to, and whatever they think makes the most sense to them. And uh, that's how I see it. That's it's just my prediction. Because that's the way it is now, and I don't see it changing. It's been two years. So why would it? But, uh... Regardless of where it came from, that's not germane to what we're even discussing. Two years ago, the COVID was already around, and it was going around and, you know, in China, perhaps elsewhere. Of course, it, it, would, it would be about a month from now when you could really mark the two-year anniversary from uh, when you really started hearing about it. And I've told this story a million times, but I remember <coughs> early on with the COVID situation, I was on the plane going from New York to Florida, and uh, on the back of the seat, you know, there's a the little console, and I had the headphones plugged in, and I was watching some television to pass the time. And uh, one of the channels I was watching was a news network. It was one of the major media networks. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was... I'm not sure. It might have been CNBC, but why would they be talking about it? Maybe they were. I don't know. It was one of those networks anyway. Cause that's more financial, but I, I, I know I've watched them when I'm on the plane before. Anyway, it doesn't really matter again, but I remember watching a, a network, and they ran a story for like a couple seconds talking about how there was a uh, new virus spreading around in China, and there were, like, 15 cases at that wet market. And, uh, even then it caught my attention, but, you know, you sit there and you naively think, because that's what you've been trained to think, that, uh, it's not going to be anything. You know, you have this complacency, and, uh, it's important to have a balance. Uh, it's important, you know, not to see every little thing and flip out, over it, yeah, but at the same time, I think it's important not to just blow off everything, and I think we've been just the way we are, maybe it's as people, maybe it's societally, I don't know, you're, uh, I guess conditioned is the best word for it, it's not the perfect word I'm looking for, but it's, it, 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 it does its job in terms of what I'm trying to describe, where, uh, you just think, this isn't going to really harm me, and this isn't going to have an impact on me, right? What you see on television, even if it will one day, there's always this sort of separation from the event and your actual life that goes for most. 
Same thing with uh, a lot of weather, etc. You see the storms, eh, it's not gonna happen to me, it's, you know, happen to some poor, some poor sucker a couple miles away, but not me. Not me. And, uh, I had that attitude at the time. I try to balance things out more these days, but I'm not perfect. We, we are all guilty of this. I still am. And I'm not afraid to admit that. It's always, at best, going to be a work in progress. Never, you know, probably one way or the other completely. But I try to be more objective. I try to just look at things. And One thing that gets me, and this is just a side tangent, I'm going to be quick with this one. One thing that gets me sometimes is that people, maybe I'm the one that's in the wrong. I mean, that, that could be. But I always feel like people misinterpret what being objective actually is, you know? I think being objective, this is just my personal definition, and the one I abide by, should mean that you try to examine situations conclusively from multiple aspects. Even if that means a little bit of outside-the-box thinking, etc., or even just some critical thought here and there. I think the problem sometimes when people use the word objective, it means dismiss everything as a non-issue, as a non-event. You gotta debunk everything. You gotta be the debunker. Nothing ever happens. It's all fake. Um, you know, it's debunked, etc., and, uh, I don't necessarily consider that exclusively objective. I think it's important when you see the stuff that's just obvious BS, that you sniff that out and you don't really give it the light of day, but I just feel anyway that it's important to have your mind open at the same time for various possibilities. And that's what I always think of when I think of objective. Um, but I think others have their own definitions, etc. But, uh, back to what I was saying about the COVID. And this isn't going on YouTube, so I'll say the evil C word, right? COVID as many times as I want to. And uh, if they kick me off the other platforms and they could have a field day and go for it, I think you can kind of tell tonight I'm just in the mood not to really care and uh, let them. So, uh, like I was saying, though, I remember early on, I was on that plane and I was watching the news report and they were, you know, talking about how it was, and, uh, I remember as I was sitting there, because current events have always interested me, especially ones going on around the world. That's why... I like listening, you know, to international radio stations so much. Uh, you hear about news, current events, etc. from other countries, which heretofore you may not even know a single thing about, or they just don't get mentioned in the mainstream media over here, etc. So, I, uh, I always take a, uh, that's not the only reason I listen to shortwave, but one reason. But I always find this sort of stuff interesting. 
And I remember, even in 2014, I was very focused on um, Ebola. You remember that when that was going around in West Africa? I was watching that like a hawk back then. And there were concerns, you know, that Ebola was going to become a pandemic. And uh, if you want to talk about hell on earth, that would have been it. But thankfully, that never, that never came to be. But, um, anyway. So, I remember thinking to myself, though, that yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting story, but nothing's going to come of it, I thought to myself. You know, it's not, not going not gonna to happen. It, it's just going to make the news. But then, you ever look at something and you think, but what if? You know, and you, you imagine an alternate scenario or an alternate reality. Maybe no one does that, but I, I sometimes do. And you just think, imagine if things played out this way, right? And you explore that possibility in your mind. Well, I remember sitting there in the, the seat, watching that report, and for a few seconds, you know, I, I explored that possibility, and I thought, imagine if that virus really does spread around the whole world and uh, actually impacts everyone's life. And, uh... Well, <laughs> what happened? That's why early on, I was a very early follower of uh, the COVID stuff. I was one of those people walking around with a mask on in January of 2020, and everyone was giving me weird looks, and, you know, it was one of those people stocking up on stuff, etc., and I'm not afraid, likewise, because there, I, here's the thing. There is no shame, in my opinion anyway, admitting that you got something wrong or that you uh, misjudged something. And, you know, there's no harm in that. So I will own up to it. I will say... My understanding of COVID early on is different from my understanding of it two years later. And I got things wrong about it. I think with COVID, as we well know at this point in time, that uh, it's very persistent. I think it's endemic. I think it's here to stay. You know, you have various variants, some of which may be better or worse than others, and, uh... But at the same time, I think zero COVID, that sort of policy, just needs to be... You know, well, we can't go too far. But consider what I said about how I feel it's endemic anyway. You know, things need to change. Um, in terms of... Well, like I said, I can't go too far now read between the lines. People need to be sanitary. They need to be reasonable, you know? You just gotta be clean. Is there anything wrong with that? N not in my opinion. I think COVID or not, if COVID never even existed, um, just be clean. There's nothing wrong with basic sanitation, right? Being sanitary, etc. And, uh, Nothing wrong with when you cough or sneeze, being a little respectful, because who really likes someone, you know, coughing in your face or sneezing down your neck, etc.? I remember 
once I was in line somewhere and this, this guy came up behind me and sneezed right down the back of my neck. And, you know, it's a, it's a gross feeling. You have all this moist, warm, almost slimy feeling air that's splattered on your neck. And you know, who likes that? So, COVID or not, I don't think there's any harm in just exercising such basic courtesy. Washing your hands every now and then, etc. I mean, what harm is that doing to anyone? I don't think it's... I think it's just common sense stuff. But, uh, you know, it's one of those viruses that it's a whole broad spectrum of things, etc. One uh, thing, I think, you know, if you want to go this route, the different variants, they're different. And uh, some might be stronger than others, but you know that some people can get it bad, some people, most people, as a matter of fact, don't. And uh, for many people, it's just, you know, you get sick a little bit, and then you get better, but of course it's a dice roll, and you get some folks that uh, unfortunately aren't as lucky and uh, wind up with a severe case or uh, perish resultantly. And you can't forget about that, because that's, you know, that stuff is very real. So to blindly and blatantly disregard all of that you know, that's not right. You have to take into account that it is a spectrum and that it's something many people have suffered from. But what I'm trying to say is that's my understanding of it now. When I first heard about the virus in early 2020, I thought that it was a death sentence. That no matter what, you are going to be... F <laughs> I was going to say, you know, effed up. Um, you're going to be real messed up. And... Bedridden, at best. Likely hospitalized. High chance of death. Now you might say, well, where... Because obviously that is a, a drastically different picture than what you have now. Where did you come about this understanding of it from. I'm going to take a sip of water. Well, anyway, like I was saying. So, I think one, one thing about me is that I've established that I enjoy following current events. One thing that you have to know about me is that I get my news from a variety of sources, some of which are mainstream, others far from it. And the reason I use a variety of sources is because you get all sorts of information, and I like to just put it all together and try to make sense of it all as best I can. And uh, I try to get the full picture and make up my own mind, because we know that the news be that reported from a mainstream source or something, you know, that's more independent or fringe or whatever you want to call it, it's all subject to bias. It all is. You know, that's another mistake people make, I think. People say, well, just because it's not mainstream media, see, they're going to tell it like it is. And not really. Sometimes it's even worse. But 
Everything has its biases. Everything does. Everything has a lean or a slant for the most part, or... Sometimes there isn't even any sort of lean, but the details just aren't right, and they get the information wrong, etc. And, uh, that just happens. I've seen that personally the few times that I've been in a story that's been covered by the mainstream media. The things that they've gotten wrong are, are startling. And, uh, that's just my personal experience. Like, the times where they reported me as being dead, yet I'm still very obviously alive, at least as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I might be a ghost, who knows? But, uh, presuming I'm not, that's a huge, huge error. And, uh, half of them for hours and hours and hours didn't even bother to, uh, ensure that that was correct information. So, sometimes if it's not a bias, mistakes happen. And, uh, granted, uh, it's just to be expected. But big or small, the media isn't perfect, there's always gonna be issues, and, uh, it's just the nature of the beast. But... I hadn't forgotten the story about that virus, and in, uh, January of 2020, I started seeing reports, especially on the shortwave, etc., and then online, that, uh, something was going on in China. And there were all these videos coming out from China. Now, here's the mistake that I made. I, I took it at face value. That was my mistake. That was where I went wrong. That all of these videos were coming out from China portraying people dropping dead on the street and convulsing. Now, maybe you've seen a few of those videos, um, but there was video after video after video. You were hearing reports, especially in Wuhan, about how COVID was rapidly spreading, coinciding therewith, were all of these videos showing, you know, someone at the grocery store, you know, just flopping around on the ground, and you have these guys, they're in these white, um, were they like the Tyvek suits? You know what I'm talking about? The white, um, those white hazmat suits. Not quite, but not with the hood or any of that, but just all white and all that. And they were running in, you know, dragging them off into the ambul ambulances. And you were seeing one after the next after the next. If you take this at face value, granted, what sort of understanding are you going to have of this situation? So, you have this virus. It's rapidly spreading in a city in China. As it is spreading, you are seeing countless reports and videos supposedly backing it up of people suddenly dying only in that area. So, you're going to put two and two together, and you're going to think to yourself, this is bad. I mean, this is really, really bad. If it's just killing people on the spot, left and right, we're talking 
if this becomes global, you might have a billion plus people dead. Right? That's the level of severe I was thinking when I initial. I, I thought by now there would be one to two billion deaths. Um, and as preposterous as that may sound, like I said, I have no shame in admitting where I went wrong. So, it doesn't bother me to share that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm glad I was wrong, quite frankly. But, when you see this and you've got this implication that it is that severe, that's just what... That's the impression that I got. What further backed that up was once I became convinced of that, I saw that it wasn't really being reported by the mainstream at first. As a matter of fact, it was being rejected by the mainstream. Not necessarily the severity of the virus, but that the virus itself was any threat whatsoever. And uh, it was being laughed at. You had people early on. Now, I think everyone did everything too late, and for people to even be suggesting with, with the variant, the Omicron variant at this point, I, you know, I just shake my head. If there was a time that something could have been done, it was back then. That opportunity was squandered, so just forget it now. But, uh... At the time, no one acted, you know? We all sat there and had the same attitude that I had when I was sitting there in the plane when I first heard about it. You think, oh, you know, it's... That's there. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's there in China, thousands of miles away, a place that I will never be. The Chinese people, it's, you can't even... It's a different place, different language, different culture, different everything, practically. This is something that I see online. This is something that I see on television. That's there. I'm here in the U.S., it's not going to impact me. It's a separation. It's just, this is what I watch on TV for entertainment. This is what I watch online. This is what I share on social media. It's not, it's not impacting me. It's not ever going to impact me. So why should I worry about this? Because it's over there and I'm here. We still deal with this, but with different issues. It's just how we are. And... From that, that was the time for action, but none was taken because we're so we're so docile, I guess. I don't know the right word for it, but no threat was perceived. And if anything, if you proposed any action, you were crazy. If you wore a mask, you were crazy. If you suggested do any of that, you're crazy. You know? How dare you propose any sort of travel ban when it actually would have done a damn thing? How dare you? Right? I remember seeing people trying to 
wear a mask at the time and they were it's funny you know it's tables have kind of turned but people were being scolded for wearing one by the general public <laughs> you know it's out of place you make me feel nervous wearing one etc <laughs> It's just, you know, kind of funny. Just shouldn't laugh at it, but... When you realize, you know, the, the 180 shift. But anyway. You know, but you remember early on, they were telling people... You, you shouldn't wear a mask. And, uh... Eventually that was realized, it was because the federal government... Did indeed perceive it as a threat but they didn't want people wearing masks because the resources for the medical professionals were ill-equipped. And uh, they needed time to kind of restock, so it's better to just lie to the public and uh, prioritize. Now that's important in and of itself, but that's another discussion for another day. And... Uh, Things eventually changed around, I guess it was maybe February or March of 2020. It was definitely March, because in February things started quieting down a little bit. People only were starting to be sparked into action when they realized that maybe it actually is going to impact me, because, well, wait a minute. Yeah, the outbreaks that were in China, that's some place I can't relate to for the most part. The outbreaks that subsequently happened in Iran, Iran is probably even less relatable than China, so that hadn't any effect. But then once it finally started, you know, impacting Italy, yeah, but Italy, you know, I went on vacation there, etc. Italy, they're more, they're more similar to me than the Iranians or uh, Chinese people are, etc. And this is just how people think, right? It's just the way it goes. And, uh, finally, once it hit the cruise ships, you know, then it kind of becomes even more relatable, and then you have everyone, you know, going to the stores and getting their stuff, etc. But that's just how it played out. Um, but again, early on, I was following it very early on when everyone was dismissing it, and that made me think that it was even more important and I got some things right, and I got some things wrong. What I got right was the fact that it would indeed spread, and that it would indeed become a pandemic, and that it would be around a while. What I got wrong was the severity, um, and that it didn't wipe out billions of people. And, you know, you don't have people just suddenly dropping dead in public and convulsing, like what you were seeing in those videos from China, which then, you know, subsequently it just makes me question the legitimacy of anything I see of that nature at this point. That's the lesson that I learned. Don't be so gullible when you see that sort of stuff. Just take it in and go from there. So, you know, I learned a lesson. But it's something I'm glad I was wrong about. I'm glad that it didn't become as strong as I thought that it, it would. You know, I'm glad that it wasn't that bad still has the potential, but, you know, of, of impacting some folks severely. 
But, um, you know, just wasn't what I thought it was two years ago. But, uh, some COVID thoughts. VORW International. A few more thoughts on the way, and then we'll read some emails. And we're back. Obviously, a seamless transition for you. A few moments for me. Took some water sips and sat down a little bit, took in the fog some more. I mean, I've been taking it in the whole time, but, um... You know... Enjoying. Well... Next thing that I want to, uh, discuss... I don't even know how to cover it. I don't want to make this a long, drawn-out discussion. I, I want to be blunt. I want to... be to the point. You know, I'd be lying to you if I, if I said I wasn't scared... right now. And, um... If I haven't been putting this off because I've been scared... And it's true. As a matter of fact, this is... You know, I've had a year to even talk about this, and, uh, I've waited till the very end, essentially, because I've been scared, and, uh, fear, and maybe it is cowardice, in a sense, um, it's getting the best of me. You know, you might say, well, what are you scared of? I'm, well, silly it may sound, I'm scared of you. Yes, you, the listener, uh, I am. That's why I haven't, uh... Doesn't matter who you are, that level of, of fear is there in, in pretty much everyone listening. Um, you know, the amount of folks who I could verifiably say understand is, uh... Wouldn't even fill up one, one hand. So everyone else, you know, it's like, I don't know how people will react. But... You know, it's a decision that I made, and, and one that I'm going to stick with. But at the same time, it, it doesn't mean that there isn't fear. Just because it's something that I've made up my mind on, it's still scary to uh, announce it sometimes. But I think it's one of those situations, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And I have to accept that I think just some folks, I, I hope people understand, I don't expect... I don't expect people to, though. I <clears throat> expect anger. I expect retaliation. I expect ill will, and, uh, I expect for people just not to see things this way. And, um, I think that's contributed to my fear, but at the same time, I think that's realistic. I think that's an inevitability, as opposed to anything else. So, when it comes down to these sorts of things, I guess I just can't you know, keep dragging it out. Let's quit beating around the bush and let's just get to it. People have been asking me about an average day video for 2021, and I don't see that happening this year. I just, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I would almost say with confidence it is not going to happen. 
Now, I know people don't like that news. People don't want to hear it, and I think even the most understanding of individuals is probably slightly upset with me right now. I'm not looking for understanding. I don't expect there to be any. Regardless of that, I am still going to explain my decision. One thing about me that I've never understood why... You know, I don't know. If I am an extremely private individual, if I've dealt with harassment on every level, stalking on every level, you name it, anything you could pretty much come up with has <laughs> more, more or less happened, and I want to keep things private, and I want to just lay low, do my thing, and try not to stir the pot, what sense does it make to do a video where I show everything about my life and what I do if I am intensely private and want to remain that way? It seems very contradictory. At least that's how I've always perceived it. The Average Day videos are not something I've ever enjoyed doing. I think the only exceptions were the first maybe two, maybe three, but that was about it. And afterward, it was just out of this uncomfortable sense of obligation that they were done. Um, I don't want to do it, but I have to because otherwise everyone's going to be pissed at me, and we don't want that. That's how it's been. Last year was my breaking point. I was... It was uncomfortable. I didn't enjoy it. The process of putting it together and all of that was beyond stressful. And at the end of it, and the response that it garnered, I said, you know what, I'm done with this. It's not worth it. It's not worth the time. It's not worth the stress. It's not worth everything that it does to me. And I know that while it may sound selfish, indeed these are my videos and it is my channel, in the end, I have to understand how I feel doing it. So, I felt this way for years. I didn't even want to do one last year. I forced myself to do it. And after I did that, I said, I'm not doing this again. So, people don't want to hear that, I get it. And you have every right to be upset with me. You have every right to talk about how the channel has changed and that it's not the same and that you're going to unsubscribe and leave and go watch something else and that's your choice to make. You need to evaluate it and assess it. Whatever choice you make, I respect. You are the viewer and it's up to you what you want to do. I might make the content, but you are the one that watches it. And it's, you know, it's your choice. Whatever you do, I respect. I don't expect, you know, it just is what it is in the end, but I just can't do it. If there's any good news or compromise, it's that, number one, this podcast is back, it's been back, so we're here doing that. Number two, that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be random videos that are non-food related. Um, as a matter of fact, I have some plans for the future in terms of fun things that I'm going to do. 
So, I think maybe the average day video might not necessarily be about seeing me sit there in bed or something, um, but it's about content that is non-review related, a divergence from the norm. Well, that's going to continue. That's not going away. And that is one final distinction that I want to clear up. Just because that video may not be happening this year does not mean that all I'm ever doing from now on are food reviews and no random sorts of videos. So that distinction needs to be addressed very clearly, very concisely. And if that's the most important thing to say, that this is it right here. Just because I might not be doing that video does not mean that any sorts of random videos are ending, because they most certainly aren't. So, those sorts of videos, if anything, I hope to do maybe some more random videos and stuff that I'm comfortable with. And, uh, like I said, I just feel like I have to do what's right for me. I've known this is the right decision for years now, and I've been too scared to actually enact it. So, I'm finally as ready as I'll be, and uh, that's where it stands. Like I said, people don't want to hear it, and I understand it, but it's just what needs to be done. But there will still be non-food-related videos um, coming up in the future, so no worries there. Alright, and one final point, just something that I think I'm going to discuss more in the future, just like how finally with the COVID stuff, I took more of a um, longer discussion than I normally do. I think this is going to be the same for a future show, um, because I don't see the issue resolving itself anytime soon. But I think you're noticing some changes in the world of fast food, changes that aren't for the better. And I see this contributing to a decline in fast food. I'll explain what I'm observing, and we're going to talk about this more in the future. Obviously, you notice the rampant inflation and uh, all of that. Everything costs more, be that gas, um, any products, if they're even available these days, uh, food at the grocery store, and of course, it transfers over to fast food. I think one of the reasons people would get fast food is because it was affordable and acceptable in quality. Well, it's getting to the point where it's not necessarily affordable anymore. I think that's one of the driving factors that people would get it. Um, it, may be, it may get to a point where you're going to have other alternatives that are no longer the cheapest, and uh, might even be better. So, I think fast food is going to be in decline a bit, because people are going to be realizing, well, wait a minute, because next year it might get to the point where you're going to pay 15 bucks for, uh, you know, just a burger and, uh, you know, a small burger and fries from McDonald's. And uh, people are going to be realizing they already are starting to, wait a minute, I'm not, prices and everything is going up, the amount of money that I have isn't, I have to be more careful with spending because what I have is not 
adjusted for this inflation, and I can't spend this money for just this mediocre food anymore. So I think people en masse are going to start realizing why should I be paying this ever-increasing price for what is, in some cases, utter trash. And uh, I think you're going to see some chains maybe even completely shut down. I think you're going to see the establishments themselves starting to go out of business. And uh, that's my prediction. So I think it's going to be going downhill more than it is now. And, uh, and I think it's going to happen very rapidly. So that's my prediction. We will see. But uh, again, you notice it. I already notice it, and seeing that some folks talking about the inflation are saying, oh, it's, I don't know if it's going to be transitory anymore, you know, we will see. But I notice people saying, you know, you want me to sit there and pay 15 bucks for these wings from Wingstop that, yeah, maybe they're good, but that's 15 bucks for just a couple wings. I mean, I don't know. We have people saying, you know, paying eight bucks for this piece of trash, stupid-looking meatball. It wasn't meatball, it's stupid chicken sub from uh, Burger King. Thing looked so... it was horrible. It was one of the worst things I've ever had, at least lately. You want me to waste eight bucks on that piece of garbage? Right. You look at the meal deal from Pizza Hut, the $25 meal deal. You've got people, some people are saying that it was, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is kind of getting rough on me, so I'll wrap this up in a minute and take a break, but I want to get this final point across. There were people saying that the, what was it, the triple treat box from Pizza Hut, which was 20 bucks a year ago. It's 25 bucks for me this year. Some people are already saying that it's 29 bucks for them. I was pessimistically saying that it was going to be 30 bucks next year. It's 30 bucks right now for some people. So, you know, let's just pull all the stops. Let's say it's going to be 40 bucks next year for some. People are going to be seriously reassessing things when that happens. And they're going to make the choice. This stuff isn't worth it. The companies don't care. They're going to drive it into the ground for as long as they can. And then they're going to, you know, jump off the sinking ship like rats and uh, run away with what they can. And that's how it's going to be. So that's the course I, th I see things going. We will see. But, um, that's what I think. We will uh, watch and see what happens. Alright, I'm going to take a break for a little bit, give my voice a rest. Um, next we're going to be going into some emails, and I'm probably going to be doing that inside. I think I'm going to sit out, enjoy the fog a bit more, and uh, then head inside, kind of set the microphone back up at my usual uh, recording area. I think it's it's not really a studio, just a recording area. And uh, we'll get to some emails 
at that point. You're tuned to VORW International. Alright, into the emails we go now. So let's find something, and we will just go from there. Usually, I have these more organized, and I have a few of them organized, but there were a couple that came in a little, um... I guess after I originally made the list. Now, one can understandably ask, well, why didn't you just add these to the list? And that's a... well, that's a valid question. I haven't really an answer for you there. So let's just go through this page real quick. Mark a few of them down. Alright, we got that one. We got this one. This one. We got a good turnout of emails, I have to tell you. Granted, I think it's because I've done a lot of, uh... What have I done a lot of? I've done a lot of nothing, quite frankly. And maybe that's why. Um... We'll get this one and this one. Okay. Very good. Alright, let's start somewhere. Some of these emails, of course, are very light. Some of them may be very heavy. Let's pick a part, a spot, and uh, delve in. We will start... right here. Just a short comment. And it reads as follows. Hello. I remembered about your channel a few months ago, and have been watching your videos regularly this year. I like them. Initially, I felt weird for enjoying this sort of content, you know, fast food reviews. I don't really eat it often, especially products which I can't really order while living across the ocean here in Russia. But what I really wanted to express in this email, the thing that got me typing now, in fact, a couple of your newest videos. I have to confess that I usually expect all of your food reviews to look around the same. Not in a bad way, essentially, but rather a sharpened, well-known route which I always look forward to. And your last two videos at the moment seem to be unlike no other to me. I notice your jokes and the way you have your fun with the reviews before, too. Um, but the ones I mentioned were significantly funnier and kept me watching attentive, attentively for some reason. I liked them a lot, and I'm guessing something good and inspirational happened to you lately, improving your mood like that, and I really wish so. Uh, would you share what was that with your audience, perhaps? Have a nice day. So, uh, thank you for your kind words there. Uh, glad you liked the videos, though, most importantly. And I apologize for that jerk, if you could hear with the, uh, very low-pitched, loud noise generated from the automobile. But anyway, it just was ear-piercingly loud to me anyway. <laughs> um, that's an interesting observation, though, something that I hadn't caught on to. And, uh, 
I'm glad the videos are, uh, are enjoyable. So thank you. I'm glad that, uh, that's something that I didn't take note of at all. It wasn't as though I said, you know, I'm gonna try to be this way or that way, but, uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that you find the content to be enjoyable. It's fun to have fun with them sometimes, so thank you. We hear... This is just a quick little question from Philip, who says, How was your day? Did you tune into any shortwave? Uh, my day today was alright. You know, every day has its ups and downs. But, uh... Good enough day, anyway. I did a little bit of radio listening earlier. I was, uh... Scanning around. What stations did I tune to tonight? I was scanning around. I picked up Radio Exterior de España. And uh, they had the English service. Uh, I stumbled across the BBC World Service a little bit. For a moment. And, uh... Let's see. What else was there tonight? I think I picked up Radio Marti. Um... I listened to WWCR a little bit over in Nashville. They uh, they had a program on that was uh, playing some 90s music, and that was good. It was a decent show, and the guy was, was playing... What was he playing? He played... It was mostly well-known stuff. I know he played One Headlight by the Wallflowers. He played... Torn... Right, by Natalie and Bruglia. But there was a third song that I heard him play as well. And I swear I don't remember what it was at this moment, but it was... It was some sort of major 90s hit. Anyway, it was just some decent music, and, uh... was scanning around a bit, but I got in some listening. And, uh... All's going well there, so thank you for checking in. Have an email coming in... From, uh, let's see, Patrick in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, with a few thoughts. Said, it's great to hear you back making podcasts. Hopefully, the sabbatical was restorative. I must admit, I was disappointed by your departure, but I respect your decision to take a step back. Now that you have returned, I hope you will consider devoting more time to world affairs, after all, many Americans, especially, are increasingly ignorant of news of the rest of the world, given the news media's increasing obsession with politics and clickbait stories, as uh, saying this as a former reporter myself. I know you once considered a career as a newsreader, but balked at the seemingly insurmountable obstacles to get there. However, your careful and objective discussions of the situations in Myanmar and the recent Belarus-Poland refugee issue, for example, are more of what is needed. You have an audience. You have the temperament. Why not consider a weekly World News Roundup discussion to start each broadcast? It may be the most reliable news that many people will hear that week. All the best, from Patrick in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. So thank you for your kind words and suggestion, Patrick. It's good to hear from you. So, uh, number one in terms of a news roundup. I, I don't mind the idea in the least. 
of doing some sort of news roundup. It doesn't bother me one single bit. Uh, obviously, as you know, I do focus on current events. Uh, there's something that I follow, and I, I keep track on what, and here's the big caveat, on what I deem to be important uh, in the world. But I do keep on top of things. I try anyway. I especially focus on current events around the world, geopolitically speaking, or if it's a domestic affair, something that's actually newsworthy, right? And uh, there's so much trash that's just that that takes up the headlines one way or another. Or uh, you have, you know, hyperpartisan BS that's just there to... It's designed to fire people up. It's really not news, it's just something being shared to try to... Maybe try to get a certain reaction or outcome or whatever. And, uh... Believe me, that sort of stuff goes all ways. It's not just one side that does this or the other. But anyway. So... One thing... That, um... I try to to do in each program, and I know it's not perfect at all, but I do try to discuss, you know, a little bit of current events in each program. Now you might say, well, that's a good start, but why don't you do more, right? Why don't you try to do something more full-fledged? And the reason being, at this point, I think I'm keeping the show off YouTube, at least for a while, so you might say, and you don't even have to worry about the terms of service on YouTube. Um, the other streaming platforms appear as though they may be slightly more lenient. So why not? Uh, why don't you? And the reason why is because of how people are. Maybe it's always been this way, and I'm just kind of living in a, a fantasy world, I suppose. Maybe I have this sort of idyllic vision which obviously ceases to exist. Or maybe I'm just paranoid, I don't know. Maybe it's a combination of all of those things. Um, my concern is that... I feel, anyway, that the majority of people are in this sort of... Remember what I said, a hyper-partisan type of thing? Everything is politicized, everything is polarized, everything is labeled and split into groups, and people now instinctively are trained to think it's this side versus that side. And I feel like a lot of people... Now, I know I myself, I think I'm nothing. And I don't really see why someone should give a bleepity bleep about what my opinion is on this current event, or that current event. But nonetheless, I guarantee you, if a day comes where, at least by the majority online, if I cover a current event, and even if I try my best to do so with an air of impartiality, look, people are going to see what they see. That's one thing that you have to realize is also a product of this polarized world we live in. It doesn't even matter if you say something outright or not, but people are just... they have this vision in their mind, 
they commit to it, and they're just going to see whatever the hell they want to see. It gets to a point. Eventually, you know, you just make one wrong move. One wrong move, you cover the wrong thing, people, even if it's not there, like I said, they see and think they notice this or that when it doesn't even exist. Oh, I detected a hint of bias, he's not one of us. So now we have to go and disparage and try to cancel him, and uh, all of that. And as a result, when my entire livelihood is dependent essentially on trying to avoid that, then I need to be cautious, and uh, I can't do anything stupid. As much as I would love to cover current events more, um, in this world where everything is so charged, I have to play it safe. So I cover what I feel comfortable covering, but there are instances where I say it's better safe than sorry and it's best for me to keep quiet. Um, just like, you know, with, let's say, the, the Rittenhouse thing, um, I'm not, I'm not saying a thing about it. Doesn't mean I don't have opinions, I certainly do. But... It's so charged, I feel like... Online, he's either got to be a hero, or... You know... I don't even know, just as bad as it gets. But there's no intermediary, or even if you take one very far position or the other, um, you're just going to be villainized by people who don't see it the other way. I'm not even going there. You know, people even try to pull this nonsense with weather and uh, severe weather. You know, the other day I was focusing on those tornadoes that were going through Kentucky and uh, you had people who were saying, well, you know, yeah, it sucks, but they voted in two Republican senators, so they kind of, they, that's what they deserve for doing that. And, you know, you have thousands of people cheering that on. They're saying, yeah, these people sealed their fate by doing that, and and uh, this is what they get, etc. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, sitting there, I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is wrong with you for uh, for doing this? And the hell is wrong with all the people cheering this on you know but people they love it they they eat this stuff right up and it goes the other way too you know something ha that's what it is this is the problem in the u.s people fall into the trap where it's just it's red versus blue right a red red team and the blue team <laughs> and uh something happens in another state and they say stupid yeah, this is what they get for doing this and that etc that's not to say that some political decisions don't have their consequences, be that positive or negative, but it's just, you know, look, when people say this sort of stuff, and they start doing this with natural disasters, and they have the audacity to mock and scoff at a tragedy like this that has, you know, it's killed a lot of people, it's caused so much destruction, and there you are sitting there talking about senators and political parties and affiliations. 
Boy, that tells me everything I need to know about you. Tells me what a scummy you-know-what you are. And, uh, it's just, it scares me when I see how many people egg this sort of stuff on. And it goes both ways. This is just the most recent example. Believe me, I could call out a dozen examples that go the other way, so don't think I'm trying to pick sides here. And now you see how I have to even throw that caveat in, because that's how far gone we are. So that's why I don't cover events in great detail, because of this, this... Part of me does want to get profane, but I will refrain from profane remarks. But, um, there's the reason why. So, it's just a shame. I don't know. Some people, they say that this is always how people were, but I, I, I'm not convinced of that. I, I really am not. But, uh, who's to say? I just think we could do better, but maybe we can't. This is just where, we, where we're at at this point. Anyway. That doesn't mean that I don't like the news, and I, I still try to cover it as best I can. Alright, this listener, I think, is just confused. He was saying, I hope the podcast comes back soon. It's been four months. I... I think he might just be trying to listen on the YouTube, and... I'll just reply to that in writing. We'll go from there with that one. Alright, let's see our next email. Alright, the next email comes in from Bob, who says, I listened to you about your dentistry nightmare. Um... Uh, let me reread that. I listened to you about your dentistry nightmare. How... Okay, okay, this is... Okay, how about this one? When I was about 18 years old, my brother had a father-in-law who was a dentist, and at one time, I went to him just for the heck of it, and he said I had nine cavities. And I go to myself, what? To make a long story short, I went to another dentist, and he said... I had, I think it was one or two cavities, and I asked him, how in the hell did this guy come up with nine cavities? He goes, well, I don't know if business was slow, but he made me realize that my brother's father-in-law is an outright cook. <laughs> and I had a feeling of relief when I found out I didn't have nine cavities. Good thing I seeked a second opinion because to get drilled on for nine cavities that didn't exist, it would have angered me to no end. And right, thank you, Bob, for checking in with a dentistry nightmare, as you described. Yeah. You know, there's a saying that I've seen in the dental community, just from the time I've spent perusing it, where they say, if you go to two different dentists, you can get two di different diagnoses and opinions. Which is interesting. Um, things like that, let me tell you, are more common, and sometimes it is with merit, sometimes it is without. If it's something egregious, like that, usually there's something sketchy going on. One thing that I've heard, at least in terms of dentists, though, is that one thing that varies really just dentist to dentist is the way that they want to treat an issue. So let's say that you had a tooth that uh, wasn't in the best shape, and 
you decide to go to three different dentists. And each one has a different philosophy and a different approach to treating the tooth. The first dentist examines the tooth and determines, well, this decay is quite deep, um, but I do think the tooth is salvageable. I think that we could go ahead and uh, all that we need to do is uh, a root canal, and then we'll get a crown on top of that. Well, you think to yourself, well, maybe, but I mean a root canal. Well, I, I heard that those are really, really bad. I kind of say that sarcastically because they're not. Believe me, this is coming from someone who's had way too many of them. <laughs> uh, these days, they're not bad at all, though. But anyway... You know, you think to yourself, I don't know, though. Let me, let me go to another dentist and see what um, this person has to say. So you go to the next dentist, and they assess the tooth, and the person tells you, Well, this tooth isn't looking good. It's going to be a lot of work, but I think it can be fixed. Uh, what I would recommend doing is... I want to do a root canal on it. But from that point... There's not going to be a lot of tooth left. So what I hope to do then is include a post, do a core build-up, try to reconstruct some of the tooth. But the problem here is that the way your gum is looking, I'm not sure how that's really going to play out. We could put a crown on just now, but I don't know. Uh, it would work for a little bit, but in terms of the longevity of the tooth, that's where things can get iffy. I'm not sure how the seal would be. So I would recommend after the root canal and build up, we're going to put a temporary crown on, but I recommend you go see my friend down at blah 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 periodontics and get a crown lengthening procedure where they cut away some of the gum and uh, allow for more of the tooth to be exposed. That way we can then get that permanent crown on and uh, the tooth will be salvageable. So it's going to be a lot of work, it's going to be a lot of procedures, but uh, this is going to be it. You think to yourself, I don't know, that's not what I wanted to hear. Um, this is looking like it's going to be very costly. It's going to take a long time, and I don't know, I, I don't even like going to the dentist to begin with. Well, alright, there's this third guy that I'm going to check out. Let's see what he has to say. So you go and see the third dentist, and he looks at the tooth, he, examines the x-rays, he takes a look in, and shaking his head, he says to you, I, I don't know what to tell you, but you see how far down the decay is, and if you look here, I'm not, conf I'm not confident that there is enough structure remaining in this tooth for any sort of rebuilding thereof. I would advise extracting the tooth, and beyond that, if you would like, we can start getting in a bone graft, and you can have an implant put in at a later date. So, that's where it's looking, because otherwise, if you put in a crown, it just might not hold up for very long. So that's the way that it goes with dentistry a lot of the time. Uh, they're all aware of the same issue. It's not like you have someone that looks at the tooth and says, I don't know what these guys are talking about, but I don't see a problem there. 
a lot of the time they all see the same issue, but how they would approach it is totally different. You just have to take the coin toss and go with the one that is either most comfortable for you or whoever seems the most competent and go from there. But uh, the discrepancy between nine cavities versus one, that's that's big. That's a That's huge. So <laughs> thanks for sharing that. We hear next from Spencer, who writes, First of all, happy holidays. Hope this year the season is a bit more cheerful than 2020. I'm writing in because I made a purchase yesterday that was partially inspired by you. I frequent my local thrift stores in search of quality clothing and shoes. The goodwill in my town is fairly large and tends to have a decent selection of men's clothing. In particular, I've had good luck finding nice vintage dress shirts. I'm an 18-year-old college student working part-time night shift at a hotel, and I've never owned or worn a suit. Yesterday, I walked into a Goodwill and walked out with two vintage suits and six silk ties for a total of $36. Truly incredible what you can find at second-hand stores and how little you might spend. Both suits are American-made, single-breasted, two-button suits, probably 80s era with a very classic cut and pleated pants. One was made by Northwick and is in mid-gray with a subtle earth-tone plaid pattern and has no content markings, um, but I believe it's wool from the appearance and feel. The other suit is a hardwick, a company that seems to still manufacture affordable classic suits in the U.S., the Hardwick is a black-worsted wool suit with subtle gray striations and cuffed pants. I'll be looking into dry cleaning before wearing them, and may need to have them tailored. Fortunately, there's an old-school independent tailor with an excellent reputation in my area. Both suits are very handsome, classic suits, and I think you would be pleased to find especially for a $13 suit, one of them half off. Perhaps not the, not top-notch. Uh, there's certainly quality suits and a good introduction, and I'm very excited to try wearing a suit. And hearing you, wear, uh, hearing you speak about your initial apprehension and eventual enthusiastic adoption of the style has made me more option to giving it a chance. Never doubt that your content and YouTube channel have a positive impact. Kind regards from Spencer. Thank you, Spencer. Well, congratulations on uh, what sounds like a very pleasant acquisition. And uh, welcome to the world of suits. In the end, you have to wear what you're comfortable wearing. People will give you a hard time because that's just the way people are. And uh, we know how nasty humanity is and how evil they all are. But... Nonetheless, you know, you got to just do what's right for you and persevere through that. These nasty people, you know, we have to try our best not to give them a level of power and control over your life that, quite frankly, they do not deserve, you know, and they just don't. So, uh... Those suits sound great, though. That's one of my favorite things about going to the thrift store. I, I don't do it as much anymore. I just barely go out. But um, 
it's a lot of fun still. And to see those suits, it's, you know, they're quality suits. They really are. Think about this. They've been holding up for decades. And then, you know, think about it this way. These are suits that have been around for decades. Still holding up. Still in good shape. I mean, they make them to last, so... There's a reason why I like all the older suits. And, uh... Congratulations, you know, I'm glad that you're able to make that leap. Have fun with them. Wear them as you're comfortable doing so. Um, but what's important is that you're wearing what you want to wear, and, and you're happy and comfortable doing it. So, uh... If I could, I'd give you a pat on the back, you know, and just say, well done. Um, especially for such a... For such a, a price, you know. That's another thing about the thrift stores that's remarkable. You really can get some very good quality stuff at a price that will not break the bank. Someone may be wondering, are you wearing a suit as you're recording this? Of course I am. Um, I'm sitting outside, obviously, as, as you can probably tell. And uh, I am wearing a black suit with some pinstripes. It's a black double-breasted suit from the 90s, you know, so it's the 6 by one type of button configuration. Uh, wide lapels, as always. The pants are pleated and wide leg. I also have a black vest that's uh, six buttons, a bit higher cut. Um, so I've got a black vest. I've got my pocket watch. I'm wearing a white wing-collar shirt. And uh, it's got, you know, a tall collar with, again, the, f the points folded down in the front as a wing-collar should. And I have cufflinks and uh, black socks and my black shoes. So that's what I'm wearing tonight. But yes, I am all suited up as I am every day. And, you know, I'm, I'm just the way that I am, I don't feel comfortable if I'm not. This is just what I wear. So, uh, congratulations once again. Alright. Into some more emails we go. Now let's open up the list, because these were some newer emails that came in. So... A short email came in from Brady... This could just be answered in one sentence, because he, he wanted to know about the Rittenhouse verdict. It's just something that I can't comment on and see the answer to the one about current events as to why I'm not going to offer any thoughts uh, whatsoever thereon. Next, we hear... Alright, we, we gotta start somewhere. I think this person is a lobbyist, but, um, <laughs> forget that. That's got to be a, a very bad joke. Forget that. It's, this is a very strongly worded, um, plea, though. All right. It was a plea to try a place called Crispy Crunchy Chicken. Now, I've never heard of them. Um, oh my goodness. Strongly worded indeed. I am aghast and slightly reviled that you have never reviewed Crispy Crunchy Chicken, and that's spelled with a K. Crispy, K, Crunchy, K-R-U-N-C-H-Y, Chicken, with a C, though. Uh, they are a large national chain with 2,200 locations compared to Popeye's 2,700. 
They exist in gas stations and convenience stores, and have extremely limited mar- marketing. Only the adventurous and curious know about this hidden fried chicken gem. They are successful, and uh, without marketing, because their fried chicken is incredible. And I cannot encourage you enough to go there and try their bone-in fried chicken. They have buffalo wings, a sandwich, and tenders, but those are not their flagship product. I personally find them vastly inferior to ordinary fried chicken, so I personally recommend that you get one of each piece. A drumstick, thigh, breast, and wing. I cannot implore you enough to try this chain. I am agonized daily by your ignorance of this delicious chicken. I hope there is a location within a reasonable driving distance from you. You may not get many requests to try this chain, but imagine that my request has the strength of 30,000 YouTube comments. You have the ability to turn hundreds of thousands of fast food enthusiasts toward the light of delicious fried chicken. Of course, I may be preemptively assuming that you share the same experience as me, as I can imagine you are skeptical of my claims. If I am in fact right, however, you have the opportunity to bless your viewers with the knowledge of America's best fried chicken chain. <laughs> you know, I had to read it in that way. I, I, it got to the point where uh, I just had to. So, uh, crispy, crunchy chicken. All right. So you wanted me to try the buffalo wings, the sandwich, and the tenders. So I'll get one of each. And uh, if I ever find one, I'll, I'll try that out for you. So th- thank you for your suggestion. Now, in all, in all serious um, seriousness, I mean, if you want to be upset at me for not trying it, I mean, that's your prerogative, but... I mean... I try to review things based on demand, and... Uh, of this chain, I haven't seen any, but... That's not to say that I will never review them. We hear from J.D. in the San Fernando Valley, I guess that's in California, if I had to guess, who said, The other day, I randomly remembered and laughed about the day the world was supposed to end in December of 2012. I am curious to know what you were up to on that day, if you were were aware of it. Were you also frozen in fear in bed as the clock struck midnight? From J.D. Thank you, J.D., for checking in. Uh, the end of the world back in 2012. I remember that day. Um, you know, it's interesting. 2011 and 2012 were both years upon which there was an end of the world, some sort of prophecy or scare, and uh, neither of them were taken seriously. I remember in 2012 it was because of the Mayan calendar, and, uh, I don't think many people really cared much about it until a few years prior, 
in like 2007 or 2008, there was that horrible movie made called 2012 that, uh, at first I remember seeing the trailers and the commercials for it on television, and it really did get people talking. Then I remember once I watched it, and, uh, I don't know if it was just for me or if the CGI was actually that bad and the movie was actually that stupid, but it sure seems like it to me anyway. And uh, I think nowadays if I look at it with the right frame of mind, I'd actually find it rather funny and entertaining. Um, But I remember at the time, you know, when you... Because here's the thing about movies, I think it's all as to how you approach a film... Uh, if you watch it with the understanding that it's going to be bad, I think that you can kind of have a, a you know a positive and pleasant mindset and uh, have fun with it, and could kind of be like uh, MST3K if you remember that. You could you could have fun with it. You honestly could. I like doing that personally. But if you go into a movie with this expectation that it's going to be really good and you have all these hopes for it, and then you realize how bad it is, uh, you can't help but feel a bit disappointed and and critical of it. And uh, that was one of those things. I just thought, this is is god-awful. And uh, I just thought it was going to be better than it was. So, that's just my take. I mean, it's one of those movies that... uh, any realism, you know, goes out the door immediately, and you have to take that into account. Otherwise, the day itself, the funniest thing, I only remember the day because years beforehand, after that movie came out, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, you know, what if the world actually does end then by, like, this this minuscule chance? Of course it didn't. And, uh, Come 2012, I actually forgot what day it was supposed to end on, and I only remembered at the very end of the day that the world was supposed to end when I realized, oh, yeah, I guess guess it was supposed to end today, and I completely forgot, and, uh, well, it didn't, so there's that. So that was 2012. The year before that, in 2011, if you remember, Harold Camping had this, uh, prophecy... And he said, you know, that he had biblical proof or something that the world was going to end. And, uh, he had this huge media blitz and campaign. And he had billboards and radio broadcasts and everything all over the place. People with signs and ads everywhere saying that the world was going to end in May. I think it was May. It was late May, mid to late May 2011. And, uh... That I was actually a bit more aware of, not that I thought it was going to end, but, uh, was just interested in that. Of course, it didn't end, but, uh, I remember that. And, uh, Harold Camping, he used to have a huge presence on the shortwave. Uh, he... he's deceased now, but he ran a religious ministry called Family Radio, They're still around. You could hear them a lot on the AM radio these days, AM and FM. Um, But they used to have a shortwave station in Okeechobee, Florida. 
and uh, had 14 transmitters, and it had the call sign WYFR, which stood for Your Family Radio. Well, after the um, whole prophecy thing didn't work out, that really hurt his uh, ministry and his funding, etc. So, he wound up leaving shortwave as a cost-saving means and put WYFR up for sale. So, he put it up for sale in 2013, and a station located in Hialeah, Florida, which goes by the name WRMI, took the opportunity and purchased it. And uh, before then, WRMI, they just had one 50-kilowatt transmitter, again, in Hialeah, Florida, which is very close to Miami. And they purchased the uh, WYFR facility in Okeechobee, Florida, and now that facility is known as WRMI. And that is the main facility that I use for uh, broadcasting VORW to a worldwide audience. So, in some way, my broadcast is connected to all of that. Not really, but the transmitters that I use now were once used by Family Radio. Um, Definitely back in 2011 to propagate those end-of-the-world claims and rumors. So... Now Family Radio, they they have an extremely, extremely small presence on the shortwave. Uh, all that's left these days are one broadcast targeting Cuba and Central America in Spanish, and that's it. So they used to be huge, but now they have a very, very tiny shortwave presence, and, uh, like I said, very small. They mostly focus on AM radio these days. On to the next email. We hear... Let's see. Hmm. I'm just... I don't know. No, forget this one. I'm gonna omit it. You know, the thing with emails, sometimes... I don't have them all written down beforehand anywhere, or, you know, anything like that. So, oftentimes I just kind of mark them down at one point, and then the next time I see them is when I'm at the microphone right now. And some emails, you know, the content just isn't appropriate where people try to, you know, put stuff in there that's just, just, you know, it undermines everything else, so. Let's go on to the next. All right, we have a list of questions here from Grady in West Virginia. Uh, Grady, I'm not sure if I'll be able to answer all of them, but we're going to start going down, and we're going to get to what we can. So, uh... You mentioned how excited you were to see the show back. Well, thank you. All right, first question. I've got to ask, may you try BurgerFi? 
There's a location in Orlando, Florida, uh, which, coming from some discussions, you are close to. Burger Fi is my favorite restaurant of all time. Uh, I could certainly note it down. Yeah, there are a few in the area, indeed. And, uh... Let's see. Let's check them out. I have never... had... a Burger Fi burger before. Let's look. Yeah, they look- they look solid. Alright. Let's look at their menu. I've never been to one, but I do like... I do like a tasty burger. So let's see what we have here. Alright, they got burgers. They're looking good. Looking solid. I would be willing to give them a shot. Um, I think it's something interesting. Obviously, with YouTube, you know, I, I, I try to do things that there's interest toward. Um, it would be a gamble, but they seem to be a big chain. What the heck? I'll note this place down. Maybe I'll give them a shot at some point. If I try it out... What was the one that I tried out? Shake Shack. Then Burgerfy is game. A fair game. Yeah, I could give them a shot. I think I could try them out. Thank you for your suggestion. Let's see. Oh, right. You say... Have you ever thought of doing product reviews? I believe you'd be really good at it, and I'm guessing that you could gain a number of viewers. Uh, it's certainly something that I would be open to. Uh, obviously, there'd be a slightly different formula to it in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of assessing things, and it would have to be something that I feel like I could competently do. For instance, I wouldn't want to try to give a review of a smartphone, because I don't even like smartphones to begin with. You know, it's a topic I'm going to avoid talking about right now because it agitates me very much. At the moment, I'll talk about it a bit more, probably in the next show. And uh, that ties directly along with planned obsolescence and how much I detest and oppose that with every ounce of my being. But um, we'll talk about that more in the next one that I do. The uh, thing with smartphones, you know, is that it's not something that I know that much about. So, sure, if I were to get a smartphone, a new one, say, and do a review of it, I could certainly find things to talk about, but I am not an expert. And I am not someone who... I feel like people could trust with an informed opinion about these smartphones, because I myself know nothing about them. Uh, so I would want to review things if I had to do product reviews, things that I could definitely talk about. <laughs> Obviously, I could do reviews of shortwave radios, for instance, and uh, easily I, I feel like I could competently and uh, accurately uh, discuss those, you know? Or things that are basic that you don't really need any sort of, um, you know, extremely well-informed opinion about things that are just very basic, 
uh, I certainly could. I mean, I could really review everything here before me. I mean, you know, I, I could... Heck, I have a little tissue here because sometimes I'll get a little bit of a runny nose outside and uh, it's good to be able to take care of that so I could review this tissue in front of me and uh, all of that. I mean, there's things that I could do, obviously, um, but certainly something I could think about. Here we go. Next question, you say, I decided to make my own podcast from inspiration of yours. I absolutely love it and have taken some advice from you. My question is, is there any more advice that you can give to me or any other fellow podcasters? Um, I think it's a circumstantial thing. If you had any specific questions, uh, you could feel free to ask them, and I could certainly impart what thoughts I can. Uh, one thing I will mention, though, that I probably haven't, at least recently, is, uh, people just are how they are. And, you know, you're gonna, if it gets out to enough of an audience, you're probably gonna run into some very supportive, uh, wonderful folks, and you're going to run into some very nasty people as well. This is the thing, and it's not what people want to hear, but I think it's the truth. And if you've been through it, you know, you know it's true is that the bad things that people say always impact you more than the good things. Um, in my case, maybe they do more so. I try to have a thick skin, um, but that's not perfect. And, you know, sometimes, because I think it sounds more motivational if you say that, you know, you have a thick skin or whatever, but I'm not perfect. That's why I had to take the break. Now, someone was criticizing me. They were saying, well, I think, you know, you're full of, uh, you know, you're full of sh because, what did they say? You had gone on and on about how you try not to let the, the trolls or whatever get to you, and here you are taking a break, so, you know what's up with that and uh people say they what they will um i certainly try to have a thick skin but i am not perfect and yeah things will eventually get to me so in my case anyway with me people say a lot of bad things some people say good things too um, but I think it's just the way my mind is. I am more likely than not to weigh the bad things heavier than uh, the good things. You, you remember that guy a few emails back who was saying, well, imagine my suggestion for the crispy, crunchy chicken <laughs> had uh, the weight of 30,000 comments, right? Well, sometimes the bad things have the same weight, Maybe one bad comment has the same weight as, you know, ten good ones, or something to that extent. Or maybe twenty good ones. And, uh... That's just how it is. I don't mean for it... to be that way. But that's just how my mind is. I think it's because... the way that I am... I don't like myself. And, uh... 
I, therefore, have my mind trained to see the good things as just people being nice, you know, but the bad things people are actually speaking the truth. And my mind is more receptive to that. You know, it kind of um, feeds into that part of my mind that already has it out for me. So, the, you know, the good thing about that, though, is that I'm aware of it. So I try to take that into account. But, you know, sometimes you just say, well, I just got to step away from it for a little bit. That's the best course of action to take. Um, at least in my case, indeed it was, and that really helped. That's why I'm back. So, uh, you know, you might say, yeah, but your disposition in this podcast at the beginning was very negative. Indeed it was, but that really hadn't anything to do with any sorts of trolls or comments or anything. That's just the state of things. Um, and my frustration with a lot of stuff just kind of being vented out in that way. So, it wasn't like still getting to me or anything. I mean, like I said, it just is what it is. But, um, one thing you just need to be ready for, if people start giving you a hard time, everyone's different, but, um, understand that sometimes the bad stuff, it's just gonna hurt in a way. And there's no avoiding it. It's just going to happen, it's going to hurt, and you just have to try to press on as best as you can. But if, if you can't, and people really start getting to you, I mean, do what is in your best interest. Uh, that's my advice. This year, I did what was in my best interest. That was the right thing to do. People are going to be pissed about the decision I made with the Average Day video, despite all the caveats that, you know, there's still going to be non-food-related stuff. Regardless, people don't want to hear that, but that's a decision made in my best interest. Sometimes decisions made in your best interest may not necessarily be understood or respected by those around you, but you have to do what's right for you. So, stay true to yourself, and uh, you will know. We hear from Stephen in Alaska, who writes, You often talk about your current climate in Florida, as well as your previous one, New York. Excuse me for a minute, I'm going to grab some water. Alright, I'm sorry for that interruption, I just felt like uh, I needed to get some water. My voice was getting a little bit dry, and uh, I also took a cough drop. But, uh, pleased to say that I am back, and, uh, not better than ever, but in good shape. In good shape, indeed. So let's find that email, because I feel bad. I feel like I just started it, and then I left. Okay, here we go. I believe we had the one from Stephen in Alaska. Um, you often talk about your current state, uh, Sorry, let's redo that. You often talk about your current climate, Florida, as well as your previous one, New York. How was it for you to, to acclimate to the huge difference when you made the move? Do you find that when you go back and visit New York, 
You feel like the cold weather seems colder. I live in a fairly cold state, but visiting warm places often. I always find myself wondering what it would take or what it would be like to reacclimate my body to a completely different climate and temperature than what I am used to. On a side note, I always thought it was Megan the Stallion, with the pronunciation having a long E, like teeth. That's exactly how I just pronounced it, because that's how it naturally seems. Um, but I guess they say it as Megan the Stallion. So he said hearing me mention it was a surprise. Loving the new shows and videos. Thank you for everything you do. Right, thank you, Stephen, in Alaska. A good question, and uh, I would say especially good coming from a listener in Alaska. So, here's the thing with me. I get sensitive to cold temperatures. Now, that's how I've always been. Um, you know, that's how I've been my entire life. Over the last few years, for a variety of reasons, that feeling, however, has only gotten more intense. So intense, however, that even on a 90-degree day, I still may be freezing cold. With that understanding, however, I have realized the following. It really doesn't matter where I'm going to be, because I'm just going to be cold no matter where that is. And with me, I realize this now. I didn't at first. Um, at first, I thought that... But I... Because here's the thing. I can cite recent experience to back this up. I thought that being in Florida, this sort of sensitivity to the cold would be diminished. It is not. And having been in New York... For a while, um, earlier in the year, during winter, mind you, I realize now that it doesn't matter, and it's just the same everywhere. So, for me, in terms of acclimation, uh, there's not a whole lot that I can do, because I'm just going to be cold no matter where I am. That's why, here in Florida, I, like, I'll, I'll tell you how I'm feeling right now. Um... Tonight is an unseasonably warm night. As a matter of fact, let's look at the National Weather Service office right now. And I'm going to give you a temperature reading. So, so right now, it's 74 degrees outside, and, uh... Again, a rather warm night, all things considered that, I mean, here we are, the 12th of December. I am wearing a three-piece suit, long-sleeve shirt, so, you know, a number of layers. I have the jacket on, I have a vest that, again, is pretty high-cut, so there's a lot of coverage, and, um, I'm all layered up. I am cold right now. Mind you, a 75-degree night three-piece suit, long sleeves here in Florida, and I am cold. My hands are absolutely freezing right now, and they feel... I'm just putting it up to my wrist, my right hand to my left wrist, 
and they feel frigid. I mean, they feel like they are ice, like ice cold. And my feet feel the exact same way. And the rest of my body underneath all of these layers feels temperate at best. So mind you, this is on what would be considered by many, really at almost any time of the year, to be a rather warm night. I mean, 74, 75 degrees right now, and uh, absolutely freezing, I am. That's why I am wearing a three-piece suit and still cold. I know I could throw in my long overcoat and gloves right now and probably a scarf, and I'd still probably be a, a bit a bit cold. Um... So as a result, this is probably how I would feel, maybe slightly colder, but I mean, I would still just feel cold if it were 40-something degrees. And, um, I mean, it would get to the point of discomfort, though, I think. But what I'm trying to say is that I realized when I was in New York, I felt slightly colder than I did here in Florida, but not by a ton. And that's why I was able to pretty much get used to it up there, because it's just like, well, if I'm going to be cold, I'm going to be cold, and uh, that's all that there is to it. One uh, thing that I do employ these days, and I do this almost every single day here in Florida, I did that every single day up in New York as well. It literally makes no difference. I was doing this in January. I was doing this in mid-August. I'm doing this probably later on uh, in the day today before I try to attempt uh, to get some sleep, I will run some warm water and I will soak my hands and sometimes my feet in that warm water because that is the only way that I can warm them up. Um, the process of trying to just put on more layers to actually feel warm uh, usually fails and trying to just hold it over a warm, a source of warmth, be that a fire or a, a heating unit, you name it, takes too long, so I just soak them in warm water, and then after that I will dry them off, and then while they're actually warm, I'll make sure I put on some warm socks and, uh, and gloves, and usually I will wear some sorts of gloves indoors year-round, so, uh, I'm just very sensitive to cold, and I've realized now that cold climates aren't as bad to me as I think that they are, because I'm just going to be cold wherever I am, so it's not like, I think for most, now I know this isn't normal, but it's just how I am. For most, it would be like, I'm here in Florida, I can go around uh, scantily clothed and be comfortable, and uh, I don't have to worry about any of these, um cold temperatures, but now I gotta go up north again, and it's awful, and it's so cold, and I'm gonna be freezing. Here I am, freezing cold, wherever I am, so what difference does it make, you know? That, that's how I feel. And, uh, I remember once, back in, um, maybe it was 2018, I had to go into some store somewhere, and, uh, it was July, and it was probably a hundred degrees outside. And I remember I was wearing, you know, one of my usual outfits. It was just all black. I had on, you know, black pants, a black vest, with a black cardigan sweater over all of that. And then, you know, a shirt and tie, of course. 
And I was walking through the parking lot with that, you know, with my sunglasses and what have you. I remember, though, there was this guy in a tank top and shorts walking by. He just did a double take looking at me. And you could tell it wasn't that he recognized me or anything, but it was like... Boy, that guy was really honking at something, you hear that? <laughs> so that's what he had to say. Um, that's the new form of censorship that I'm employing in this show. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm joking. That's actually kind of funny, though, that it, it timed out that way. It's, um, anyway, it was this look that he was like, I can't believe that this guy right here on a 100-degree day is wearing all black and all of these layers right now. You know, that's what it was like. It was like, I could not believe to see a guy here wearing this formal layered attire on a hot day like this. But that's just how I am. Sure enough, I was comfortable outside in that attire. And, even more so, when I walked into the cold air-conditioned, um, store... And, uh, I was very thankful that I was dressed as I, as I was. Now that may beg the question, well, in this case, I bet you have the heat on perpetually indoors, right? No, believe it or not, I, uh, keep the indoor temperature, um, I just deal with the cold, that's the thing. I don't necessarily try to, um, adjust the temperature accordingly, but, um... Plus, I like having a low electric bill anyway. So, during the daytime nowadays, I set the air conditioning. Now, it changes based on the time of year. But these days, I have the air conditioner set during the day at uh, 73, 72, 72 or 73. At night, I actually put the heat on to, um, 64. And I will let it get that cold. I just don't give a damn anymore. It used to not be that way, but I just say, forget it. Um, what's the point? If I'm gonna be cold anyway, let's just save a couple bucks while we're at it, because, uh, what does it matter in the end? I can put the heat to 70, and I'd be just as cold as I'd be if I had the heat to 64. So, what's the point? Let's just save a couple bucks, and, um, not bother with it anymore. So, I just say, you know, don't even bother with the heat, I don't. I mean, obviously, just common sense stuff, but many nights it has gotten into the 40s here in Florida, and I just don't turn the heat on. I just let it get as cold as it does. And, uh, it is what it is, but that's worked for me anyway. I think so far in the fall, I've had the heat on one night, and that was it. So, I'm gonna keep the streak going as long as possible. And, uh, that's just how it's gonna be with me from now on. And, uh, that's just what I do. Good question. I hope I get the name right, and I apologize if I don't, and please correct me, um... I understand, I never mean any ill will if I get the name wrong. 
I just try to the best of my ability. A listener in the UK is corresponding who goes by the name Leonie. That's L-E-O-N-I. So I don't know if that's Lenny or uh, Leonie or uh, another variant. But understand, I just apologize if I got it wrong. Anyway, you write. I want to acknowledge that I know you don't get around to answering everything. However, I remember you saying that you read everything. Given you hopefully read this, I'd like to thank you for the company you have provided me, and I'm sure many others this year. Like a lot of people, I found this year extremely challenging, and I'm grateful for your broadcasts you have provided. Three questions. Has your sleeping situation changed since your last update? I'm not exactly sure when you said this, but I remember you once talking about your alternative sleeping schedules. I'm a night owl myself, and have never in my life been able to maintain a regular sleeping schedule. Every so often, I think about you sleeping two hours before waking up and repeating. This blows my mind, and I constantly think about this. I find it fascinating. Sometimes I get anxious about needing to be up early in the morning, and I just think, if Review Bra can function on that sleeping arrangement, I can surely survive on a few hours just tonight. I'd love to know how you're sleeping these days, and how you feel about it. Hopefully not too tired. So, first question. Now, I will add a correction to what you mentioned. Um... I know exactly what you're talking about in terms of uh, biphasic sleeping. And what I was talking about was... I was referencing... Now, this was probably on me, because this is the way that I am. A lot of things go through my mind, but my body only has its limits as to what I could actually spew out. And... um, Sometimes I just think I said something and then I never did but I thought it, but I never actually verbalized it. So when I talked about that sleep schedule, it was in reference to a schedule that I kept um, in late 2014 and about the entirety of 2015. So it was in reference to past events um, that I largely maintained that particular schedule. But indeed, for that time, for maybe a year to a year and a half, I consistently, night after night, uh, would sleep per 24-hour period about four hours. And exactly like you said, what I would do, I would get up at uh, maybe around 6.45 a.m. I would start the day off with an energy drink, guzzle that down, then at around 8 a.m., have, um, maybe a small 8-ounce coffee. Then at noon, I would have a 16-ounce coffee. At 3 p.m., I'd have another 16-ounce coffee. At 4 p.m., I would go to sleep, and I would remain asleep until 6 p.m., so two hours. Then I'd have something to eat. Probably have, uh, more coffee or a caffeine pill. And then I would be up through the night until around 4 a.m., whereupon I would sleep maybe from 
either 4 a.m. to 6.45 a.m. or from 5 a.m. to 6.45 a.m. And uh, rinse and repeat. Certainly not a healthy thing. I think, honestly, all the caffeine that I took was more unhealthy than the uh, the lack of sleep, truth be told. But um, that's uh, the schedule that I kept. Indeed, after two hours, I would get up, go about my business, and um, rinse and repeat. But uh, yes, that was a real thing, and I did that, again, consistently for a significant period of time. Um, <clears throat> I think that's proof, though, that biphasic sleeping is possible and that it can work. So there you have it there. Now, presently, I'm actually shocked. Normally, I just sleep for as long as I do. I get up when I get up, and my sleep schedule jumps around the clock. So normally it would be, I might wake up at 6 a.m. I'm just giving an example. A week from now, I'll be waking up at noon, because I'll go to sleep a few hours later each day. Then in two weeks, I'll be going to sleep. Then in two weeks, I'll be waking up at 6 p.m., etc., etc., and it's just perpetually moving around the clock. But there's one thing that I never liked about that, that my body would constantly skip around, and the thing that I didn't like about it is that... I just do that sometimes. You could just take in the, the sound of the jet airplane. I wonder where they're going to. I still have my train of thought. Let's look this up right now. Let's go to Flight Radar 24. I gotta know where that plane is going. Let's look this up right now. We're finding this plane. We're just doing it. Alright. We've got the map open. Let's find this. We're, we're finding it. Okay, I see it on the radar here. American Airlines. It's going to Dallas. Dallas, Texas. So there you have it. It's a uh, Airbus A321. So they're going to Dallas. Hope they all have a lovely time out there in Texas. Alright, that was the plane in question. Probably filled with people. Probably some traveling for business, and some... traveling, as they say, for pleasure. Hopefully they all have a good time. Alright, anyway, what I was saying is the one thing that I don't like... about... how my sleep schedule would always shift around... is that... I didn't like... Eventually, it would put me on a daytime schedule, and I don't like that. I like being able to be up at night, and that's it, case closed. So then to have this night schedule, you know, taken away from me by my own body for a week is uh, no fun. Well, I, I'm amazed at this. I, here's the thing. If you were to ask me, what do you think the perfect sleep schedule is. 
I've, I've finally found the answer. I could easily tell you the exact bedtime that I think, for me anyway, what my perfect bedtime is. The perfect bedtime and sleep schedule for me is falling asleep between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. 2 p.m. is pushing it, but I think the perfect bedtime is between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m., 2 p.m. at the latest, but no later than 2. You might, you know, people say, what the heck? You know, but, but I'll tell you why I think it's perfect. I like the night schedule. I like being up at night. I'm a hardcore night owl. I like the mornings, too, though. Mornings are such an underappreciated thing because, let's face it, a lot of people, you're busy during the mornings, you're getting up, you know, you're like a, a zombie, you, uh, you know, who likes that? You're rushing to get to work or to school or to do whatever. And uh, it's not a time where the, the beauty thereof can really be fully appreciated, I feel. You know, you've got to face the day, etc. You can't really take it all in. But I like the mornings. It's, uh, they're underrated. So here's what I do. For the last month, probably more, maybe month and a half, I have actually been able... Yeah, it's definitely over a month now. It's um, probably a month and a half. I have actually maintained a sleep schedule consistently. I am shocked that I can, but I am able to. So here's what I do. I go to sleep at that time, and then my intention is to sleep no later than around, depending on the day, um, 8 to 9 p.m. On some days when I have commitments to do a radio broadcast, then uh, no later than 7. But uh, other than that, I'll kind of give myself to around uh, maybe 9 p.m. or so. And uh, that's how I'll sleep. So here's why I like this schedule so much, because think of it this way. What times of day do I not like? Right? If there is a, what, what do I like least? That if I could just sleep through it, I will. Well, easily, the midday hour, most of the afternoon, and the early evening. Now, the early evening, in and of itself, I don't have any disdain for outright. The thing that I don't like about it, though, is that that's when everyone else is out and about, doing stuff, and things are incredibly busy and hectic. So, I avoid that if I can. Well, guess what? With this schedule, I sleep through all the bad stuff. I sleep through the afternoon, through the early evening. I still find myself awake at a time where other establishments are still open. I can still go out and get something to eat or get something delivered. Everything is still open when I wake up. So, and I'm not one of those people that says, oh, when I wake up, I need to eat, um, you know... Uh, you know, this is the thing with the breakfast food, right? I need to eat eggs or waffles. They say, oh, you know, I need to eat, um, 
the, this certain type of breakfast food, I need to do this, when I wake up. And I always think to myself, you know, I've never understood the concept of having to eat only certain things at a certain time of day. It's like, what's, what's going to happen if I wake up at 9 p.m.? Does that mean that I have to go and get, you know, scrambled eggs or sausage links or something because I just got up, but it's 9 p.m.? What if I just want to wake up and eat a hamburger with some bacon on it? You know, or if I just want to get a, a, a mini pizza or something. What, is some guy going to go bust down my door and, you know, hack me up with an axe or something because I, I, I didn't eat breakfast food when I woke up? No, I, I don't think so anyway. Or else that would have happened so many times. And, um, you know, unless, I guess unless it happens every day and I just don't remember it. I guess that's... Then how would I still put myself together, though? I don't know. I guess I guess it just never happened. Um, what am I even talking about? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> where am I even going with this? I don't know. I wake up and places are open, though, so I can get the food that I eat. Uh, that's where I was going at. Um, and since I don't adhere to any sort of requirement for having to eat this or that once I wake up, I'll just eat whatever. Then I'm awake. Through the night, I have my nighttime schedule. I'm able to enjoy the morning, the early morning, the sunrise, all that good stuff. I'm able, once again, to conclude my day during the morning hours, where places are open, once again, if there's any late work that I need to finish. And then I am able to comfortably retire during the midday hours when again, the part of the day that I have the greatest disdain for begins. So that is the perfect schedule. Because also think of it this way, you are able to experience every part of the day. I experience the morning, I experience the evening, I experience the nighttime, and even um, the midday hours and early afternoon. So I see this as the perfect sleep schedule. I, now I know I'm speaking only for myself. But I hope people could at least see the the logic that I use to um, describe it. I just really like it. So I've decided, because it really works out for me very nicely for a number of reasons, and uh, I made the decision I am going to attempt to maintain it. And to my shock, I actually am able to. So... I'm amazed. I've been able to keep it going for a while now, and uh, I'm going to keep it, going to keep it going as long as I can. So uh, that's what I do. And uh, otherwise, yeah, sleep schedules. You know, it's not that I'm able to. Sl I have insomnia to begin with, so it's a real pain to try to fall asleep. That's why it's a real feat that I could even do this. But, um, you know, it's variable every, every time I fall asleep. For instance, I got... I, I couldn't even tell you how much... I know I remembered earlier, but now I don't remember how much sleep I got. I know the other day, though, I only got four hours of sleep. So this stuff still happens where I don't get much sleep. And uh, I fell asleep at noon. I woke up at like 4, 4.30 p.m., and, uh, I didn't really fuss about it. I just, these days, I accept whatever 
length of sleep I get. I just say, look, this is just how it is today, and that's that. And, uh, I grabbed the shortwave radio and got some listening in and, you know, went about my business. And, uh, some days I'll get really tired and, um, if necessary, I'll throw in a limited nap. I was going through some biphasic sleeping. That was just for, uh, that was just for exaggeration right there to emphasize biphasic sleeping. If you heard that banging noise, I think it's because it's 6.14 a.m. right now and, uh, you know, traffic is starting to increase in the area. But anyway, if needed, I could go to a biphasic schedule, and I was doing that for about a week, where uh, I was just getting really tired, so I would take a nap for maybe an hour or two, uh, sometime between 2 and 4 a.m., and, uh, that works out. And then I still get tired midday, so all is, uh, everything works out. Anyway, you actually had, uh, some other questions. Um, for the sake of time, I'm going to answer the second one on the air. Third one, uh, I'll answer in writing for you. Um, <coughs> so let's see. All right, you say, okay, this question is strange, but bear with me. I'm in the market for a shortwave radio, and I love combining practical interests with aesthetics, and I think a pink shortwave radio would be great for my home. I already have a Texun PL660, so I wouldn't even need for it to be functional anymore, although what a bonus if it was. Do you think this would be possible, or am I completely mad? Have you ever seen an interesting-looking shortwave radio? something kind of arty or different. I wonder if children's shortwave radios long time ago had more novel designs. Would love to know what you think. What do you think of combining an interest in this way? Do you think it's fun? Or are you against the yesification of shortwave radios? So those are my questions, and, uh, well, thank you very much for your questions. Uh, Fantastic ones at that, and it's a pleasure to hear from you. So, getting to the, um, the subject at hand, at least in modern times, I haven't seen a pink shortwave radio. That doesn't mean that they aren't out there, though, and I guarantee, um, from times long ago, I'm sure that there were. I mean, there, there had to be a pink shortwave radio that was produced back in the 60s or 70s or maybe in the 50s even, I guarantee you. Um, But honestly, in terms of, let's say, getting a more contemporary radio or anything that's pink, what do I... Of course, by all means. So, uh, none of that bothers me. For instance, I think it would just be stupid of me to have any other answer because here's how I see things. I have my preference in terms of how things look. Um, Granted, some things just are the way that they are, and at this moment, uh, I can't do anything about them. But, in general, I like things that are dark. Um, I like darker colors, I like black especially, and all of these, you know, just dark stuff. I like those darker colors, and a darker atmosphere. 
So, that said, if I am to have my preferences as to how I like things, then why can't anyone else? Of course you can. It's as easy as that. So, uh, by all means, if you want a pink shortwave radio, what do I care? Then, you know, I hope that there's one out there that you can get. And, uh, doesn't bother me one, one single bit, you know? You like what you like. It's not hurting anyone, it's not harming anyone. And, uh, that's most important. So, nothing wrong there. And, uh, in terms of unique shortwave radios, I know that back again in, like, the 60s, and especially the 60s, there were some very interesting designs for radios, even in the 50s, too. Um, just some fascinating stuff. But for some reason, I don't know why, but the most unique shortwave radio I ever saw, at least what comes to mind, is... (laughs) a Dunkin' Donuts shortwave radio. I don't know... It actually puzzled me a bit, because I was so taken back by it. I I didn't know such a thing even... existed. But, um, I remember seeing a video from someone in South Korea who, uh, he was showing reception, and it was a Dunkin' Donuts shortwave radio. It had, it was like a piece of Dunkin' Donuts merchandise, all the branding and the colors and everything, and it was a shortwave radio. And I thought to myself, what the heck? I mean, what if, for, for, for a place like Dunkin' Donuts to do, and then I looked it up and I couldn't find anything about it, so I have no idea what that was, but it certainly got my attention. And, um... I mean, things like that are out there. Alright. I think we have enough time for, uh... maybe two more emails we'll get to. I can see that. The sun is beginning to rise, and, uh, things are starting to get a little busier here. So... I made up my mind, I said, I'm gonna get the show done. Once I... Once I sit at this spot and begin reading emails, no dilly-dallying. So... Once I go inside, the show's done. So let's see. We'll mark off this email. We'll go with this one. And... If we want to push the envelope, I'll throw in this one, too. Okay. Here we go. We hear from Alex, who says, Glad the podcasts are back, even if sporadic. You mentioned AM radio sticking around until vehicles phase them out. I thought I would report that the car I purchased in 2019 doesn't have AM, just FM and Bluetooth. It also has built-in Spotify... But, unfortunately, you have to pay an additional $10 per month to use it, on top of your normal Spotify subscription. I love experiencing new technology, but I dislike subscriptions. Last year, I remember hearing about BMW releasing a subscription for heated seats, but if you stop paying, they will be disabled. That's a shame. I'm shaking my head right now at that, as you, uh... As, uh, as you said... 
I do know that the world is transitioning to one big subscription model, whether I like it or not. But I thought I would just stick to software and, at worst, cars for the time being. However, I needed a new HVAC system. So a company came to my house after their pitch realized they were trying to lock me into a lifetime contract of over $200 a month for an air conditioning and heating. I thought they meant pay $200 a month until I cover the cost of the system, but no, you pay that monthly subscription in perpetuity or until you sell the home, at which time the new owner is required to join the contract and do the same. Now it's my personal goal to get my subscriptions as close to $0 as possible. I went through all my statements and got rid of $60 per month. So far, I feel no less fulfilled than before. Next time, or next up is switching out my software and cloud storage subscriptions for lifetime keys and hard drives, which will push me past the total saving of $100 per month. Didn't mean to add a mini rant, just wanted to warn you about AM from Alex. Thank you, Alex. So, uh, yeah, a good point number one about AM radio. It certainly is in decline. And, uh, it most definitely is being phased out. You can still get some new cars that have AM radio. I mean, I know for a fact a family member got a new car earlier this year, and it had AM radio in it, so th- I know some still do, but others don't, like your, your BMW, so uh, we will see, but it definitely is in decline, no matter what. Um, we'll just see how long it holds on for. The whole subscription thing, it, it's a shame. It's how things are these days, and the problem is that a lot of people don't think, you know, Is this something that I really need? Is this something that... How will my life be different if I stop paying this subscription? They just give you the sales pitch, and... They make it sound like it's essential. Um... Let me tell you, though, and and you probably realize this, but, uh... It gets to the point where they just threaten or force you sometimes, because they're so... So greedy and desperate, quite frankly. And, uh... That's how it is. That's why, remember I was mentioning earlier, and I'll talk about this in the next show, planned obsolescence, because I'm, if you can't tell by my continuous mentioning of this topic, it's something that I'm dealing with right now, and I just can't believe this this BS, for lack of a better word, with it, and that no one sees the problem with this. That... As a matter of fact, you know, they've conditioned so many people into seeing this absolute absurd nonsense. It's got to be the most absurd instance of this that I have seen. That you take a perfectly good thing, and they force you, they render it inoperable on purpose, to force you to have to buy a new one. They have the control, they probably just press a button and do it. They make up a reason, and, uh... You know what? No one sits there and thinks, Huh, maybe maybe this device could have lasted me longer. No one thinks that. No one thinks, well, wait a minute. I spent a thousand bucks on this only three and a half years ago. 
But you're telling me I need a new one now? I swear I could get five more years out of this. No one thinks that. People should be. They don't. They're so conditioned that they sit there and they, they think, Oh, yeah, shut it down. Let me go get a new one. I, I, yeah. Someone wants to get a new one, by all means, a new anything. They have the means to do so. It's up to them, I, you know? If someone wants a new whatever, and it's a choice they're comfortable making, that's fine. But for God's sake, forcing people and then just repeatedly telling them over and over and over that this is right and that this is good, such nonsense. I vehemently oppose it. I always have, but I just can't believe how far gone it is. That's all. So thank you, Alex, for your thoughts. Just a quick suggestion from Skyler, who says, I think you should you should try Mountain Dew's new gingerbread snapped flavor for an unnamed drink series review. It's one of the oddest Mountain Dew flavors I have ever tried. I've tried them all over the years. It's kind of like a Mountain Dew meets pumpkin spice latte, but in a good way. <laughs> From Skyler. Right, thank you, Skyler, for your suggestion. It sounds utterly delightful. And, uh... I don't know. I, you know... I am not a big Mountain Dew drinker. So I don't know. Pumpkin spice latte meets Mountain Dew. What does their website say? Let's read this verbatim. It says, so here's the pitch. And we'll let it speak for itself, because who knows? I haven't tried it. Maybe one day I will. But... I will impart no more thoughts. Let's let's let the corporate reps at Mountain Dew speak their magic. Forget Coca. There's a new holiday hero that's fresh out of the oven. So wait a minute, you're telling me that you're going to take the damned Mountain Dew and you're going to take it out of the oven? Go ahead and try that. Go put, put the Mountain Dew snapped in the oven and uh, heat it up. And, and then s tell me, tell me how that's going to work out. No one should actually attempt that, because it's not going to work out well, but... Alright, so... This thing has been birthed out of the oven. I guess it's gonna taste then like molten plastic. But anyway... Introducing... Mountain Dew Gingerbread Snapped. A bold, limited-time flavor, and the must-have treat of the holiday season. Well, they said it it's a must-have, so I guess that means that's true, because companies never lie. So, smash a snowball straight into the face of thirst, and enjoy a Mountain Dew gingerbread snapped at available nationwide retailers. Well, I don't think thirst is going to be all that appreciative of that. I mean, it depends on the snowball, though, because you can take... You know, you have the fluffy snow... I think if it's like a fluffy, um, snowball, I think thirst, because I, you know, just from my own interactions with this so-called thirst, I think if you took one of the fluffy snowballs, it would be a little peeved, but, you know, it's got a sense of humor, so I, I think you'd be alright. Um, you might have a snowball coming back your way, though, so, so be ready for that. 
Here's the thing, though. If the snow has been out for a while, and it's got some ice mixed in, and it is not a soft snowball, but it's rather solid and hard and, and chunky, and maybe has some, you know, dense ice therein, and you smash that snowball into the face of thirst, uh, it's not going to be good. Now, thirst usually rides around this time of year on a snowmobile, so, and that doesn't, yes, it rides around anywhere, even if it's not snowy, just get ready to get run over with that thing, because that's going to happen. So bear that in mind. And then, even worse, if it's a yellow snowball, you're done. Let's not, let's not even go there. Remember that thing I was saying about an axe earlier? Yeah, that's happening. So, bear that in mind. Thank you for uh, writing in. And with that, I think I'm just going to take any other emails and uh, move them to the uh, next show. Well, I know that this was a mixed one. It's a longer podcast, the longest one I've done since I've stopped doing... Since I took the break, anyway, and stopped doing it months ago. And, uh... I'm sorry the beginning of the show had to be this way. And, uh... I know I was a bit... Pessimistic. How can you not be? Sometimes it gets the best of me, and I I think that was one of those moments, but... You know, wanted to be real, and uh, told it like how I was feeling it at the time. But, uh, you know, the news about the channel and all that, I mean, I know it is what it is. I know it's not what we wanted to hear, but it's a decision that I needed to make. And sometimes, and I know... The decision itself may not be relatable or understandable. But what I know for a fact is that the process behind it is. Sometimes, with life, there's easy choices, there's tough choices, there's choices that will have impacts one way or another, no matter what. And I know every last one of us have had to make choices where... We know that it's a no-win situation. We had to make the best choice that we felt was best anyway. But it certainly had its negative impacts. I just hope you know that this isn't one of those choices that I took pleasure in making. This isn't something that I sat there conniving, gleefully saying, oh, I'm so glad I'm taking this away from you. I feel horrible making this choice. I feel like I am doing every last one of you a disservice by making this the decision that I did. But in the end, taking things into account, it's a decision that I feel I needed to make. But that doesn't mean I feel good about it, because I don't. And I'm sorry about that. I... I know that there's not much else that I can say. I'm sure for many of you it sucks. But understand those caveats that this show is back. 
non-food related stuff, that's here to stay. I hope for there to be more of it. I'm just sorry it had to be this way. It's... You know, the stupid old cliched phrase, but there's truth to it. It's not you, it's me. Well, that's how it is. It's not because of you, it's... It's just the way I am. And I'm sorry about that. Any feedback is welcome for the next show, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. And with that, I conclude this broadcast. Until next time, be safe, be healthy, and I wish you all the very best. Take care. This is VORW.